You won't want to miss Stephen on episode 47, where we look into the future with integrated business planning. Are you looking for short-term storage solutions? Do you have empty warehouse space you would like to fill? SecureSkids is your Airbnb for warehousing, connecting vacant warehouse space with companies that need space for their products. Visit them at SecureSkids.com for more information and to sign up for free. That's S-E-C-U-R-E-S-K-I-D-S dot com. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about the best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put the sexy into your supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. Welcome to the show. Today is a fun one. We have Tim the host of the Shipping Pod podcast, here to talk about supply chain, podcasting, and his thoughts on the future. So Tim Dooner is an industry veteran with over 10 years of experience on all sides of logistics and simply chain. He is currently the host and founder of the Shipping Pod, which he can be found at theshippingpod.com, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. So thanks for joining us today, Tim. Hey, thank you for having me on. I'm a big fan of you guys up in the, uh, the Great White North over there, my favorite logistics and supply chain podcast based in Canada. Awesome, awesome. Well, we love your show, and we love the name of your show. What are you doing over at the Shipping Pod? What we're doing? Well, uh, I'm just doing a show, and it's kind of the thoughts on my show. It originally started. I was with I was with a broker, and I was their director of business development, and they had had a podcast, so they hadn't produced one in about a year. They did one show. The sound quality was pretty spotty. It just wasn't that great. And one thing, a couple of things that we talked about when I joined them was reinvigorating the podcast, bringing it back up. And I, I said with marketing, and we tried to get something going, but it just it just never happened. And it was a point of frustration to me, so I approached a friend of mine who worked with another company, and he said, well, why don't you just do the podcast yourself? That way, you know, you can take it with you. It's portable. You can produce it however you like. I said, that's fine. I just uh, need you to come on with me. So that gentleman was my co-host originally for the first 10 episodes. He, um, just because of time and commitment, he's actually back in school as well, trying to get his master's, as well as being the manager of a major shipping line sales department. So, busy character. I had to, uh, we had to part ways. But, so right now, we're just, uh, we're just, we're just producing shows where keep, uh, keep moving forward. And the, uh, the thought, once it wasn't with, it wasn't owned, I guess, by any particular broker, was, they're just trying to do something that's kind of entertaining. I'd listen to, some of the other supply chain podcasts out there, and they were a little bit more dry. And being a podcast fan myself, I wanted to make something that people might actually want to listen to on their drive home or their driving to work, that they wouldn't need a pen and paper to listen to with. You know, there would be so, so more of an edutainment kind of slant. That's what I um, that's what I go for. Awesome, awesome. Well, you're like us, putting sexy back into supply chain, right? Yeah, I, and you know, I try to, I try to show a little chest. I, I do the best that I can, <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> you gotta work with what you got. I show a lot of chest all the time. It helps me get through the day, I guess. 
Um, anyways, Tim, so what is your story? How did you get into supply chain? Oh, geez. It was, it was a total accident. My, my first job out of college was with a record label. It was with an independent label. I was doing A&R for them, which is basically band scouting. But since it was independent, I had to do contracts and all these other things. It became, it was a real job, but it was a real job that really didn't pay that much money. And the industry at the time was in a, a huge state of flux because Napster had come out and then the clones of it like Kazaa and Morpheus. So there was a huge sea change and a huge paradigm shift going on in that field. So after a few years, I decided to move. I was in California at the time, but I'm from Boston, and I decided to move back to Boston. So when I got here, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I went on a few interviews, and one of them was, was with a company called FedEx Trade Networks which is the brokerage arm of FedEx, you know, huge package company. But they also have a logistics supply chain department. That is where I ended up, and I just started doing entries as my first job with them. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't know what a broker was. I didn't know much about the shadow world of logistics. And, uh, you know, it was health insurance and it was a paycheck. But after a while, I started learning stuff. I started moving through the ranks over there, and uh, that was 12 years ago. And I guess I just kind of got, I got tied up and wrapped up in this business, and I really started to like it and started to get a passion for it. But I don't know, like a lot of people, it's something that I, I fell into. I walked into the bed trap. Yeah, I think uh, I think that happens to a lot of people. I mean, in this industry, for some reason, you get people that have you know started off in other industries. And nobody quite knows how they got here. <laughs> and they just it just sort of happens, and they fall into this industry, and then they end up staying there. Yeah, it's such, it's such a constant theme. And I remember when I would meet a lot of people at FedEx at first, I got to admit it wasn't necessarily a turn-on for me that there were people who had been there 20, 30 years, but they didn't know how they got there. And, you know, some of them didn't even seem like they liked being there. Obviously, that's true of any office job, and, and that kind of comes with the territory, but yeah, I mean, even the people who are, who are extremely successful in this business, most of them did not go to college and get a degree in logistics, you know, or supply chain. Yeah, and I... Those, those, those degrees, at least in the U.S., they didn't really, they didn't really even start existing until lately. You're seeing a lot more business, like business degrees splinter out to cover things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You've got a few different channels for that. And we've talked about it on some past podcasts. I mean, depending on, you know, what you want to be educated in, you know, sourcing, procurement, international trade designations, you know, with FIT. Um, you've got all supply chain management courses. I think you've got P-Log as well. So, yeah. It's so weird, too, because it's such, it's such an abstract field in a book. And I remember I studied for the broker's exam when I first got into the business, my first year. So I really didn't know anything. I was just, I was a babe in the woods. All I really knew how to do were footwear entries, because that's what I was handling, air and ocean footwear entries. So I understood that aspect of the business, but I didn't really understand any of the stuff that I was studying for in the broker's exam. And I didn't pass. I didn't do that well. And I'm just curious, like, how exactly this, this looks in the books and in the courses that are out now. I definitely want to um, check them out. Maybe maybe I'll take one on free time. I think you should, and then I think you should talk about it on your show. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and get there. Maybe I'll get my master's in supply chain then. Well, that might take a little bit long. It depends how long you want to do your show for. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and be alive for, but I'm still pretty young, so I don't know. 
but it does seem like, you know, I've, I've been, um, I've been interviewing for jobs and stuff, and I've noticed that a lot of requirements now are for education within the field. And uh, you didn't see that 10 years ago. Yeah, no, 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 I totally agree. And um, just for our listeners, we're we're actually the two babes are going to be on the shipping pod um, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So they're going to be able to get to hear our story as well. But uh, for me, I grew up in the industry like it was in my blood, I think. (laughs) Which not a lot of people can say. Um, I didn't just fall into it. And I've done, you know, all sorts of continued education since I started. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long road. I've been in the industry for over 20 years. Um, I'm still fairly young myself, I would like to think. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's technically been in my blood. So, anyways... The, the listeners are going to have to wait to hear about that story when, once we get on your show. But, so, yeah, we'll take into that. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll take the scalp a lot more. We'll cut you both open. Put you on the half of the table and see how you All right. I can't wait. What about you, Nick? Um, uh, how did I start? I actually went to school for a brokerage. And uh, when I did my co-op, I didn't think I was going to find a brokerage I'd like and stuff because I like the kind of small knit kind of company. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, after a couple of years of searching, I finally got a job opportunity. And I Don't give it. away too much. We're going to be talking about it on Tim's show. But uh, To so, be continued. <laughs> so I would say I, I did go to school for what I'm, I'm currently doing right now. Oh, okay. So that's good. You actually were intentional about it. Somewhat intentional. Like, uh, it's a long story. <laughs> Which I, we'll get into. I, yeah, I, I wanted to do another course. I wasn't approved for that course. I would have had to wait a couple of years and... I just wanted to get school over and done with, so I. Uh, <laughs> so you picked customs. So I picked customs. It was That's customs. Awesome. It was corrections, policing. Uh, yeah. I wanted to be a paramedic. Actually, was a. I was almost a went for police foundations. Yeah, well, police foundations, glorified security guard, but. Um, that's oh, well, thing. thanks. It's a good thing I didn't. Then. It's a good thing. Look, <laughs> look where you are now. <laughs> All right, so uh, Tim, what challenges do you see in supply chain? I think the challenges. I think that. I think that moving forward, and and maybe this is just because of my experience when I was working in the record industry, and I saw that paradigm shift is, I think it's starting to encroach upon logistics and supply chain as well. I think that we're going to see things like warehouse automation. We're going to see things like driverless trucks. We're going to see um, brokers done on different levels. I mean, there's different companies right now that are doing, that are sort of facilitating uh more transactional purchases, and, and transactional purchases are using a fairly big menu of most brokerages here in the United States. I'm sure Canada is pretty much the same. And a lot of these, these websites, and I don't know if one has really, really taken off yet, but the technology keeps improving, and what they do is they basically, you know, you just put in your freight dynamics like you would if you were shipping any old package person, if you're sending personal effects, you know, from... Cleveland to Chicago, you go in there and say that you have a container of, of what you're shipping from from Toronto to you know Berlin, and it would it would pair you up with the with the brokerage and the shipping numbers. So I think that you're going to you're going to see technology disruption. It, it, it's 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 happening, and it, it's um it's going to be curious what the landscape looks like. Especially here in Boston, I don't know exactly what Toronto is like, but in Boston, we have a ton of mom and pop brokers, smaller shops, people, you know, they've been in the family for a while, 
I don't know how long those places are going to be around. I don't know if they'll be here in 10 years. And that's just a byproduct of not just technology, but bigger companies. You know, they seem to absorb the little ones all the time. So, Tim, how do you find your topics for your show? You know, I, I just go off things that I think people would find interesting. A podcast that I'm a huge fan of is Stuff You Should Know About How Stuff Works. And I try to think back to when I first started in the business, uh, different dynamics and things, different things that were happening. Or, you know, I didn't know much about, like, I recently did two parts in the Panama Canal. I, I, you know, I knew what the Panama Canal was. I understood the purpose of it. But I didn't know the history of it. Uh, I know they just did the big dredging of it and stand on the locks and all that kind of thing. But I didn't really know the background on it. So I, sometimes for my own personal education, to read more about it, to know more, and present it in an interesting way. Uh, and even things like the origin of the shipping containers. That's one that I've done. So I usually try and grab onto something that's a bit historical, something that has a decent story behind it, and something that is still in use. Cool. So you've so there's a lot of research that goes into your shows then, because I don't is is yours the same format as ours, like where we're you know interviewing guests or I do I'm more topic focused. So I'll usually do I'll have a base topic and then. Uh, the rest of the current events news that deal with logistics and supply chain. And there's been a bit of a boom for that because uh, our president of the President Trump, has been very active in trade and trade agreements, especially in the beginning with the kind of SOPA, all the, the NAFTA talks with you guys. We got you guys have Justin Hart Trump Trudeau over there. So I cover current events on my show. Having Trump as president has been a bit of a boon in that regard. He's been very trade-focused from the planning of SOPA right at the beginning of the administration, talks with China, talks with the currency indicator, all the way down to, obviously, NAFTA, the Israeli study is going to tear it up. Uh, they, they just recently put those lumber tariffs, uh, I mean, these lumber tariffs in Canada, and Justin Hartfrog, Justin Hartfrog, that's a tongue twist. Justin Hartfrog. So, you know, I guess he gets some blowback, right? He's subsidizing the lumber tariffs that Trump has imposed until the agreement is set in place. And yeah, it's so much bluster from, from Trump, so you never know exactly what's going to, to go down, but it'll be interesting to see where exactly the cards fall with, with NASA. I don't know, what, like, what are you guys feeling over there about that? Well, I think there's some, you know, anxiety around, you know, what is this guy going to do next? Um, and is it going to affect NAFTA? Um, because obviously we've got trade from Canada into the U.S., and it's going to affect a lot of companies, and it's going to affect that trade lane. But coming from my perspective, since I deal with the customs and the companies more direct, I think it's actually a good thing. I, I think it's been a long time coming, and I think both countries were getting, a, depending on what side you're, you're looking at, at but uh, the shitty end of the deal, you could say. And I think if they... They do it more thoroughly and and really think about the changes just before you do a Trump move and just make those changes happen. As long as they have communication there and it works for both com- or countries, countries yeah. uh, I, I think it'd be a great thing. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot that they kind of need to work out. Yeah, I like, mean, at the end of the day, we have we have GST, which is the tax. So there's a five percent tax. 
if the U.S. company is registered, some of them can get some of that tax back. So does, would that mean that they wouldn't be able to get that tax back anymore? Probably. Because we would be taxed on the other, on the other side. Uh, and then you also got to think bringing in milk, dairy products and stuff is basically a no-go in Canada. And but we could export it. So there, there is different things. But then you got the softwood lumber. There's so many, so many. Yeah. Like, I th- and it, it also crazy. depends what kind of position the company's in, whether it'll um, harm them. Or... And, and whether they have uh, an entity in the States and Canada or if it's just an NRI that's strictly in the States bringing into Canada. So yeah. there's a whole different realm, and it all depends on, yeah, the company. And, and it also and depends just... on how they structure the duty, right? Exactly, yeah. But could you imagine all those, like, there's 99 chapters, and they're going to have to go through all of those duty rates, right? <sighs> and is there going to be certain products that will be exempt under, like, a certificate of origin or? See, the I don't know. They don't have to go through all the <laughs> chapters because you got to, you got to think. There's a couple chapters there for um, special end use and provisions and stuff like that. And the U.S. doesn't make everything. Like, th- there's certain things, like, if I've got electronics coming from the States or normally coming from California and stuff, um, a lot of my air parts and plane parts and stuff, they're coming from Georgia and Idaho and, and Central kind of America. So it's not like they're in every single chapter, but it would have effect on, on certain chapters for sure. What do you think about it, Tim? You know, I I agree with what you're saying. I mean, I think that there are the agreements, you know, twenty some odd years old. It's worth it's worth looking at any agreement, especially after a few decades. I think that what what sort of comes down to and the world gets nervous is that our president here he tends to address people in a very aggressive, very aggressive and forceful demeanor, and it seems like. You know, we're gonna have a discussion about NAFTA, but it's more I mean, NAFTA, not NAFTA. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> out of my brain. We'll forgive you this time. NAFTA, <laughs> but it's more like he's going to tell you what to do with NAFTA, and it seems like when you start talking to, you can't just talk to other countries that you're not on the apprentice. You know, it's not a reality show. <laughs> yeah. Have some decorum if you run our country, please. <laughs> that's my one hope. But see, that's but why. I... Regions, like us as logistics professionals. It probably doesn't change that much, you know. If any, it, it might even be a new line item on the invoice. Who even knows that we have that we have to deal with? I mean, we're the ones at the end of the day who, who get the paperwork and have to hash out all this sort of stuff. But it, it's not really like it's going to necessarily shut down or affect our business either way that it goes. But just in general, for the cost of goods and for the economies of both countries, I would like to see an agreement that obviously works for both parties that they can be happy with. Yeah. Absolutely. I would definitely agree with that. So then let's get back to, you know, how do you prepare for your shows then? Because you don't have, you don't have guests. It's, it's, you know, more of a topic. Um, where do you source the news for your shows? Yeah, so the news stuff is just, uh, like Wall Street Journal Logistics has a great weekly thing that they put out, which kind of covers logistics news. On LinkedIn, I follow a lot of people within the industry, so they'll tend to post things. Uh, personally, I, I like startups and tech a lot, so I tend to follow a lot of things like that. So I cover, I cover a decent amount of startup and tech news insofar as logistics goes. And, you know, most of people kind of cast a wider net. I try to cover logistics news with companies that, you know, people are going to hear about. So there need to be startups or robotics companies, but a lot of stuff with like what Walmart's doing on the grocery end, 
Amazon buying Whole Foods, those kind of things. Yeah, that was crazy. That I, just came out over the weekend. Yeah, I heard that on Friday. I was driving and almost went off the road. Look out, Walmart. Seriously, good. Yeah, yeah. Well, in Walmart, they, the same day they bought Bonobos, which is a, a clothing company that's been doing pretty well. They, they were a startup just a while. I think they just they sold like tackies, and then they, they managed to expand to a fairly decent product line, and at least in the States, on the coastal areas, pretty, pretty big, pretty decent company. I, I, I'm guessing Walmart bought them to kind of shed their image of, you know, having lower tier clothing, right? I mean, that's, that's a fair statement to say about Walmart clothing. Yeah. With more, more budget type clothing. So I think maybe they're trying to get into a little higher end. I know they're all trying to target it as well. They're really, really trying to put it into the, del- the grocery delivery market. Yeah. And Whole Foods would be a great place to start. I mean, they already have that you know, sort of customer base that is used to, you know, more of the higher end, you know, specialty options items, and yeah. specialty items and things like that. So they would, they would definitely gravitate to that, you know, uh, what they're you trying know, to do in the grocery you business. Amazon Fresh up there? Amazon's grocery delivery end? No. I don't think we do. Well, we might. I just don't, I don't think so. I would say negative. Yeah. If you don't, I imagine you probably will soon with this addition of Whole Foods, because I can imagine that's just like, you know, if like injecting steroids into that, um, into that division for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll be, uh, I'd, I've, yeah, I'll be definitely looking looking out for that, because you said that's their grocery division? Their yeah, delivery? Amazon Fresh, and they basically, I, I think you, you put together, I get confused, because here they have a few different things, and they have Fresh and they have Pine Pantry. I don't know if Fresh is where it just sources from your local grocery stores, and pantry is where you fill up a, a you have to fill up a certain weight limit of of your box to get it sent to you. I don't know. I'm an Amazon user, but they have so many things going on. It's hard to always keep track. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's actually a good point with Amazon, right? Like, when do you get too big, and too many things going on that people are just sort of overwhelmed? As long as they have drones, eventually, I'm fine with them getting big. <laughs> What uh, is your take on drones, Tim? This is like Nick's favorite subject. You know what? I, I mean, on a small, on a small parcel, small package kind of thing, it'll be. I can see them in urban areas for sort of that instant delivery type of thing. Like Amazon again has their own thing called Amazon Now, and Amazon Now is when you order something off their website. There will be certain things. Just how certain things are prime, certain things will be now, and if something's now, and you live in New York City. It'll be delivered to your door within that day. And I think that drone delivery, you'll probably see that come into place there. You're not going to really see it in rural areas. But I guess it depends on how big they can make drones, right? I mean, automation, at least as far as we're concerned, is going to be the bigger thing that we see first with self-driving trucks. Self-driving trucks in the States are being, they're being tested in Michigan, California, Florida, and Georgia right now. So it's only a matter of time before they go interstate. And once they go interstate, that's going to be such a huge game changer for just, uh, you know, intermodal freight and moving things, moving containers back and forth to support. It's, it's, um, it's wild time, and it's, it's, it's so cool. Yeah. And, I, I, and Canada, the same thing's going on. You're testing all the self-driving vehicles out there, autonomous vehicles. They even have an autonomous e-vessel out there. Really? Container ship, yeah. Wow, I you know what? Every there's so much disruption going on, whether it's supply chain, whether it's logistics, whether it's transportation, whether it's 
pretty much any other industry, there is, everything is so ripe for disruption and there's so much of it going on. It's just, it's amazing to really talk about and see and sort of like even talk about where we were last year with autonomous vehicles to where we are now. Yeah, and you know, it brings up a good point because in this industry, there tends to be, at least in the Boston market and the New York market, there's a lot of older veterans in here. And for example, doing something like a podcast and going up to a lot of my peers and being like, hey, I do this podcast, they don't really have any idea what a podcast is. So there's sort of a lot of education that I have to do on my end within the industry. And if, if they're sort of that unfamiliar with what a podcast is, this the disruption that is going to be approaching our industry, I think there might be a huge blind spot that that some people might not be seeing. You know, that there's I think there's there's a lot of people that are mired in old ways of thinking and if they don't catch on sooner or later, I don't know how long those companies are going to be around. I absolutely agree. I I talk about the podcast to anybody and everybody that will listen. Um, and there are there are quite a few. It was actually surprising, you know, how many people that really don't know what a podcast is um, and haven't really heard of a podcast. Yeah, it's, um, like it's, it's like AM talk radio, except on demand and it's a lot less commercial. <laughs> okay, your definition is a lot better than mine, so I'm going to start using that. Um, but it, but you're right. There, there are a lot of... Um, older ways of doing things. Um, the industry is so ripe for disruption and you see it coming. Like if if you're us, I guess, you see it coming and you just hope that everybody else does too because at the end of the day, there's a lot of change that's going to be coming in the next couple of years, even in the next five years to 10 years. And it's crazy. I mean, that kind of brings me to the next question, Tim. You know, where do you see podcasting and supply chain learning in the next five to 10 years? What do you think of the challenges? Um, well, for me, on, on a micro level, the, the challenge that I'm sort of seeing is I, I do some consulting work, but I'm looking to get back into to full-time. And because my podcast is independent but deals with supply chain, some companies throughout this, this process of um, when the job seat is a conflict of interest because it's not their, their sort of name brand. So on a micro level for the show, that's, that's sort of an immediate challenge for me. So I may have to eventually rebrand it for a company or, or see what goes on there or just not get a job from a company that, that feels that way. But I only, I, I only see podcasts expanding. And the only thing that I think can really hamper it is with a lot of the talk about net neutrality that's going on, and that's another scary thing, because you have a lot of senators who don't understand the Internet going on there. But I think, you know, right now the Internet's a great and free forum where any one of us can, can put together a podcast, be it independent or produced by Warner Brothers. It doesn't really matter. But you can get it on iTunes, and anyone anywhere can access it. So when you start putting the Internet at tiers and you start limiting net neutrality, it makes it a lot harder for not just podcasts to, to thrive in that kind of environment, but even the, the, the host that we use. Like, I use a site called Lipson. They're an independent company. They're pretty big. They host, like, Mark Maron's podcast. They host Bill Burr's podcast. They host a ton of huge podcasts, but they're not Viacom. You know, they're not Comcast. They're not, they're not the major billion-dollar companies, trillion-dollar companies that could be a stranglehold on the Internet and basically turn the Internet into what cable is. And I think that's kind of their end game, and I really, really hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, we're we're on Libsyn as well. We we really like that platform. I also see podcasting. You know, we talk about trade shows, 
right? And we talked, we talk about, you know, face to face and, and all that stuff is really good. But at the end of the day, I also think that in some respects, attendance is declining, depending on what you're doing. And I think that podcasts could be a great alternative for that. You know, you sponsor a podcast, you get on a podcast as a guest, um, you know, and you talk about your company and you talk about your products and what you can do and you, you give examples. It's not very salesy, like you don't make it too salesy, but I think it could be a really good alternative to trade shows as well. Yeah, I, I see it uh, trade shows and I see it for replacing things like webinars. Webinars are kind of, you know, to me they're kind of antiquated technology, especially when most people are mobile now. Sitting down at a, at a desk and logging into some link to access your webinar is not going to capture the same audience as, as a podcast where someone can go on Google Play or iTunes or, or to your own website, wherever it may be, and they can get the same basic information. And hopefully because they like that information, come in and see that you're a consultant or, or you're a good brokerage firm that has a knowledge base that they can, they can use from further products. Yeah, and it's more flexible. Like you said, you can listen to it on your own time rather than being strapped and uh you know, confirm to somebody else's time, right? Like a webinar is, you know, a specific date and time and you have to, first you have to, you know, say that you're available for it. You got to see if you're available for it. Then you confirm that you're available for it. And then you actually have to go in and log in and download all these things and stuff like that. So I think you're right. And then hopefully you don't have an internet outage or something during that time. Yeah. That's a good point, Nick. Yeah. Very good point. All right. So we're uh, winding down here. What's next for the shipping pod? I'm just, uh, you know, having you guys on as a guest is uh, the, uh, probably the most immediate thing, but um, I've got a couple of shows in the can and in the pipeline. I had to take a two-week hiatus because I was in negotiations with taking a job and they saw a conflict of interest kind of thing on the show, So, but I decided not to take that job, so the show will be coming coming back on the air, thankfully. So, just moving forward, but keep keep, uh, keep pressing forward, keep putting together new content and great content, and listening to my listeners and what they want to hear. Awesome, awesome. Well, you are the first podcast to have the two babes on, so we are really excited to get on your show. Yes, I'm excited to have you guys. Yeah, and it's going to be a fun, fun conversation. So again, to our listeners, uh, we're going to be on the shipping pod in the next couple of weeks. I don't know when that's going to air. Um, do you know when that, that's going to air, Tim? Uh, with me, I might even throw it up next Wednesday. Oh, okay. I will turn on social. So they may be hearing us talk about in the future. So maybe we should give a quick video. If you're hearing this in the future... Go back to, I don't know, what will next week be? Next week will be, I don't know, June, will it be July yet? No, it'll next, be next, next week will be June 26th. The, the week of June 26th. Okay, so if it's past the week of June 26th, go to shippingpod.com and you may well see the interview with the baby. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Tim. We loved having you on, hearing about the shipping pod and your thoughts on supply chain and especially the drones. So thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. You too. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep your orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist, and they specialize in e-commerce, retail, and drop ship distribution. 
they will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. Get your free assessment. Visit them at icecorplogistics.com. Check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting for you. Thanks to Tim for joining us on today's show and check out the shipping pod on iTunes and Google Play. Next week, we are speaking to Scout RFP about how sourcing, procurement, and supply chain management are critical success factors for business. Remember to subscribe to us and write us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We are your hosts, Nick and Sarah. This episode was produced by Mike Mazurik. And remember, guys, ship happens.